2: Forty booths lined up here uh, on one side, and then behind me, there's another thirty or forty. So, um, needless to say, a little bit of a little bit of noise going on. So, anyway, thank you for being with us as uh, we get ramped up here and get started. So, you are uh, listening, of course, to financial issues, and we are at. CPAC, so I sure appreciate you being with us. Well, what's happening uh, What are we looking at here and what is going on? Um, it's very, very interesting as we look at the news and some of the things that the news is talking about, aren't talking about. One of those things are um, the, I think this is kind of funny, but somebody needs to tell Joe, Joe, Joe. Ask him, I mean, can we ask him a question? Does he know what year we're in? Maybe, because I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't know. But anyway, you know, some of the big news, and we're seeing headlines to this effect. We're seeing headlines um, to, to the fact that um, Joe, Joe is talking about. Let me just look at it. So uh, Biden is lifting lifting the Trump era ban on blocking or banning the issuing of green cards. What are they talking about, he lifted it? It lifted automatic, it was over the end of 2020. The order that President Trump put into effect was only there until the end of 2020. The reason the order was put in, because unlike Biden, he uses it, you know, the left uses this as a convenience. Well, if if it's convenient, if it's convenient, then, you know, let's use the crisis of COVID for anything that we might need, if it's convenient, if it works in our favor. Obviously, President Trump wasn't thinking of any of that. He just was, he was looking at the reality. And he said, look, we got to do what is safe we got to do what is right and safe for America. So we're going to temporarily, temporarily suspend green cards from being issued because of COVID. Because of COVID. Not for any other reason. So we're going to hold that off because we care about the safety of America, right? COVID. I mean... Joe would have us wearing six or seven masks, I guess, and continue to do it for the next several years. So what President Trump was doing was trying to protect America like he's been so good at doing for so long. So while he's protecting America, all of a sudden Biden thinks that we don't need to do that anymore. Okay, Joe, if we can do that, then why don't you just cancel the whole mask thing? Right? Why don't you just cancel it? Because if we don't need it, which apparently you don't think we do since you're supposedly lifting the Trump era ban. You're not lifting anything. But it's pretty amazing to me that what President Trump put in place for the sake of safety for America, I don't know, the left doesn't seem to care about that anymore. Or maybe they do. Do they? Or maybe, I don't know, do they know? Do they know? Does Joe even know that the ban that he lifted was already lifted at the end of January because the ban only went into effect until the end of January, or until the end of December? So maybe he doesn't realize that. I don't know, I'm just guessing. He doesn't know that. He hasn't figured that out. It's pathetic when you think about it. So why why Biden is pretending, pretending to care about Americans, to care about their safety, he's lifting something that was put into place because President Trump cared about America. But apparently, Joe doesn't. Or maybe Joe just doesn't know what year it is. I mean, that could be a possibility as well. Oh, man. It's just insane. 610 1110 We will take your calls. We're at CPAC. We'll take your calls. Um, by the way, shares, um, Wall Street ended a little bit higher yesterday again. Uh, we saw a little bit of a sell-off in technology sector uh, on uh, yesterday, though, but you know for the most part, uh, things are relatively muted. This morning, it looks like things are looking pretty good this morning. Um, actually, it looks like things are looking very good this morning. And I'll tell you if I could just get to it. There you go. Well, the Dow's up. Everything else is in negative territory. Uh, you know, the job, uh, first time unemployment claims came in way lower than anybody expected. But yet the concerns about what is happening in the, in the markets, the concerns about what is, go, what is going on in, in all the things that we are seeing haven't changed at all. Those concerns are still there apparently 10-year moving up a bit, the 10-year, the Treasury moving up uh, a bit. We'll see how long that can last. So Federal Reserve Chair uh, Jerome Powell yesterday and on um, Tuesday kind of uh, uh, calmed fears about inflation worries, right? So we're not that worried about inflation. It's not that big of a deal. Here's the problem. The problem is that the Federal Reserve's been doing this for years. Oh no, we're not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden, they go into panic mode. And I don't know, I had more respect for Jerome Powell than this. He should have left the door open and he should have gave some indication. So at least he's not criticized when he has to quickly... Do something like raise rates because of the overstimulation. I thought it was somewhat irresponsible on his part not to talk about the dangers of overstimulating the economy. And I hear people talking about economists, my colleagues, talking about stimulus, another $2 trillion. Nobody, nobody once has said anything about overstimulating the economy and what that does to an economy and the lasting effect that that has in the economy. And nobody's talking about it. So from that perspective, it's pretty pathetic. But so they continue to miss that. They continue to not talk about that very important issue. Well, uh, I'm here to tell you that I am going to talk about because it's, it's extremely, it's extremely important. So if we get into an overstimulating effect, and everybody's talking about stimulation as if it is stimulating the economy. It may be stimulating some families a little bit, 1400 hour check, but it is the continuation. We need to understand it's a continuation of Nancy Pelosi's wish list that she's had for a very, very long time. And it's the continuation of that wish list is all it is it is a trillion and a half dollars of a wish list it's unbelievable oh man all right we're coming up uh, on a break here i believe i'm just looking at the clock and it looks like we're coming up on a break um so we'll be right back Phone lines are open, 610-363-1110. Uh, we'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back, Financial Issues. I'm Dan Serio. It's great to be here, 610-363-1110. If you want to cue your call, uh, you can. Uh, you're gonna. I don't know who's going to be the first guinea pig as we go into this to make sure our phones are working, because I'm not getting anything back from the studio. So hopefully uh, we'll be okay, but... Um, We'll, we'll see. All right, so, uh, you know, let me just, um, you know, the jobless rate has fallen, right? Just despite everything uh, everybody is talking about, uh, the markets aren't reacting in a positive way because the markets aren't reacting on data anymore, okay? Right now, everybody's focused on what is happening in the political world as they should because it's far more important. So the Federal Reserve yesterday was speaking to the House of Representatives giving testimony. Then on uh, day before yesterday, he was talking to the Senate. So apparently the markets are happy because they believe that he has put to rest the fears of any kind of inflation. Well, why he's putting to rest fears about inflation I happen to believe, now look, let me, let me just say this, I have not been critical, I have not been critical of Jerome Powell, not even a little bit. I, as a matter of fact, I've been saying, I think he's going to go down in history as one of the best Fed chairs we have ever had. So, you know, uh, Paul Volcker, uh, he's going to be in there in very, very good company, I believe, but look, I think he is wrong to go to Congress, to the Senate and the House floor and talk about inflation as if it's, it, it is non-existent. I would agree to that. But all you've got to do is look a little bit closer to the numbers, which the Fed chairman apparently doesn't want to do. Or better yet, and more likely is, he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to really reveal that. He doesn't want to bring or lend any concern to to that, which I think is a little irresponsible because I think he ought to do it. But here's the worst part. He's only hurting himself. He's going to make himself look a whole lot worse when, when we go into panic mode and all of a sudden he's raising rates and all kinds of other things going on because... He didn't want to give a warning now because he doesn't want to disturb the markets. So I've also been very critical of the Federal Reserve for pretending as though they're not paying attention to the markets. So I have praised Jerome Powell because he has been, um, you know, okay and saying, hey, you know, I'm. I'm I'm gonna watch the markets. You You have to see what the markets are doing. Well, if he's watching the markets, he's gotta be looking at commodity prices, he's gotta be looking at oil prices, he's gotta be looking at a number of those kinds of things. Well, I don't know, is he? Maybe he's not. So it is kind of odd to me that he now wants to downplay the markets. He's not talking about inflation that we are seeing. Everybody, I saw, I saw an article this morning in the Wall Street Journal showing charts of the lack of inflation. Well, that's, you know, that's nice, of course. But look, commodity prices are going up, soybeans up 42%. All the metals, industrial metals, up dramatically. Copper's up close to 50%. Okay, other commodities up dramatically, and continue to be up dramatically. So, I don't know, go figure, I don't know how it's possible that we can continue not to talk about inflation because the Federal Reserve has the mentality and the attitude that they somehow, some way, control inflation. They have nothing to do with inflation, but they believe they do. They believe that they are controlling inflation. They're not going to control it. They're never going to control it. I talked all the time about the arrogance of Ben Bernanke's thinking, well, you know, I'm going to. we can control inflation. They're not going to control it. They're not controlling it right now. We're seeing interest rates going up organically, organically going up. We're seeing commodities and other prices going up organically. Home prices are going up. Mortgage rates down to an 11%, down 11%. 11% this week, just this week, down 11%. I don't know, we can draw from that. Anything you want to draw, we can take a look at it and see what the situation is. But, you know, that that is scary when when you think about it. All right, 610-363-1110. 610-363-1110. We'll take your calls. If you want to queue your call up, you're welcome to do it. Um, so far, 2021... Uh, So far, 2021, we have U.S. stock indexes in general. 32 record highs. 32 record highs. So I got people calling me and people asking me about, well, you know, should I get in the market? 32 record highs. Just to remind all of you, it's February 25th. We're just barely halfway through the year, uh, the first quarter. We've had 32 record highs. Listen, something, either valuations have to dramatically dip, a little bit of deflation coming in. I don't know where deflation is gonna come in because we are importing, we're bringing in inflation, we're importing inflation. I talked about that on Monday. So, we're importing inflation to the tune of about one and a half percent, we're exporting inflation 2.9% indicating that there is a global inflation going on. One of the biggest concerns, and I've gotta talk about this, is the consumers and what the Wall Street Journal this morning, just this morning, the Wall Street Journal talking about consumers and the health of consumers. I I don't get that. I mean, they're living in some kind of of, uh, fantasy world if they think that consumers aren't being impacted by that. Listen to this. Listen to this. Last time... We've had a stimulus check, last time we got a stimulus check, 7.7%, that's 7.7% of all Americans that got the check, 7.7%, spent that money on discretionary spending. Guess where the majority of it went? It went to savings and it went to paying down their debt. Now for some reason, the government thinks that this go around is gonna be different this time. This is Ben Bernanke on steroids. I'm going to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting a different result. It isn't going to happen. I talked about this yesterday. You remember the laughable moments that I talked about, the comic relief that I got as a result of. Ben Bernanke and the European Union who was following his lead, I think they're still doing it. I don't think they've stopped yet. They're still trying to get out of the financial crisis. They, they've they been throwing everything at inflation, trying to get some inflation. Even to the point, even to the point of, Negative interest rates, nothing, can't get it. They're probably still doing it. And they're doing the same thing right now. Everybody's doing the same thing. We're gonna fill the markets. We're gonna fill the economy. We're gonna keep credit flowing. We're gonna pour billions and billions of dollars into, the, the markets in hopes that surely corporate America, surely the consumers of America, surely they are going to spend the money. It's a lunacy. And we continue with the exception of a four-year period of time of the Trump administration, we have seen over and over again, in past history, I'm going back 50, 60 years, where it's about the consumer. It's about business sentiment. It's not about anything else. That's what it's about. That's all it's about. Yet, we continue To do the same thing. Look. Next week, I was thinking the early part of the week. It's probably going to be the latter part of the week. We're going to have a special conference call for our partners. Uh, I'm going to lay out the analytics, some of the analytics that I finished last night and some that I'll be doing over the weekend. Uh, Well, probably not over the weekend. That's why I'm postponing because I'm probably going to end up doing most of it um, on Monday or Tuesday evening. But we're going to try to get that, uh, take a long, hard look at that as as we get through next week. It is time that we take a long, hard look. It is not a time that we're jumping in, it's not a time that we need to jump in, it's not a time that we need to run in. We've gotta be prudent, we've gotta be wise, we've gotta use some wisdom, we have gotta be good stewards, we have gotta be careful. We gotta understand there are certain things that are gonna happen in the economy, not because of any um, uh, fundamental of the economy, other than finally, finally, The underlying fundamentals of the economy are getting weaker and weaker and weaker and they continue to grow weaker and weaker. Finally that's happening. That hasn't happened for a long time. So the fundamentals that President Trump had built up all these years are finally getting weaker because you can't stand that still. You can't sit that still. And not see a weakening growing. You can't you can't do that. So that's what we that's what's happening. All right, financial issues. I'm Dan Celia. We'll be right back right after this. We in America should be grateful to God for the blessings he's given us. Don't let anyone tell you that America's best days are behind her. We have got to fight for this nation, because I believe with all my heart, this nation is in fact one nation under God. Welcome back, Financial Issues. I'm Dan Cillian. It's great to be here. Uh, we are live from CPAC. Hey, I think we're getting stuff straightened out here. It wasn't all our fault, just so you know, but nonetheless, uh, we're getting, we're getting back on track here. And... Um, we've got a great guest that I'm really excited about so let me just apologize for a second to all of our uh, uh, great farmers and ranchers who I know depend upon this segment for their AG report so we're gonna we're gonna uh, put that off here on on this segment now you guys know the deal because so many of you listen to it on the website when you come in in the evening but um, so I apologize if, if you're uh, out there waiting for For the report, find out um, some important information for you. So we'll maybe we'll even get it in the next segment. But we have uh, Project Veritas. Uh, You know Project Veritas, so many of you do. We have Mario uh, Balban, Balban, Balaban, Balaban. Balaban. So it's La, okay, Balaban. And uh, Mario is the media coordinator uh, for Project Veritas he knows everything they're doing so it's uh, it's great to have him here Mario, I appreciate you being here
3: Thank you so much, it's a pleasure
2: um, So you guys got a lot going on some great, great projects um, going on and, and I know that we have a lot of listeners that know you guys that have uh, and have heard about some of the things you you and I were talking at the break about a Planned Parenthood situation that well, uh, Bill O'Reilly actually exposed um, read the letter uh that that you guys received from Planned Parenthood, so it's pretty cool. But uh lots of things. But big tech, you know, everybody's in, in um interested in big tech now. So I'm an economist, you know, I'm looking at numbers all the time and analytics and I try to help people in the air, you know, with investments. So we don't do any big tech, uh prim- primarily because they're not what we call biblically responsible. And one of the things that uh you know we're we're not supporting organizations that um, Support things in our minds that we would we believe in our hearts are would be offensive to God. So if you're going to support Planned Parenthood, we're not going to we don't want to own stock in your company. So uh, just to kind of give you an overview. But so, but big tech obviously is key for what I do because I'm looking at the ETFs and all the uh, funds that are, the you know their top five holdings, all of them. You know the big tech. Tell tell us what's happening with uh, some of the big techs right now and what you guys are doing.
3: Yeah, so we've actually exposed big tech companies uh, for a while now. The first time, uh, to my memory, was in 2018 when we went undercover at Twitter. Uh, that's when the term shadow banning came to life. Oh yeah, right, that's right. A, that's I was, didn't know that. January twenty eighteen, Project Veritas, uh, a, a man oh, by right. uh, the name of Abhinav Vodrevu, talked about how they shadow ban people that they don't want, you know, having a platform in their um, platform in Twitter. That, right. And basically, it just says, you know, people think that they're, you know, posting something and they don't get engagement. They don't understand why, but in fact, no one's actually seeing what you're posting. So that's really where it started. And then in 2019, not only did we go undercover in these organizations like Facebook and Twitter and Google, but we actually had whistleblowers come from within those organizations to say, "I morally can't accept what's going on here. I have to tell someone." And only Project Veritas will tell my story. So we had at least I'd say five whistleblowers from across different big tech companies in Silicon Valley come to us in 2019. And just this year, we've already done stories on Twitter, Jack Dorsey, I don't know if you saw this video which went viral, of Jack Dorsey saying that they're going to amplify the amount of people that. that are going to be censored after Trump got banned. Uh, we got insider leak tape of Mark Zuckerberg talking about vaccines, how he had a different position on vaccines that today on Facebook would be banned. So it showed a hypocrisy there. Showed out, you know, a man by the name of Nick Clegg, who's was a VP at Facebook, saying how much, admitting Facebook has too much power. He literally said, we have too much power. Um, so, it's very interesting stuff, and more, most recently yesterday, we just launched a story on Salesforce, which a lot of people might not know, but it's the largest CRM company in the world. Yeah. And um, not only did we... So, I have a quote here from the COO of, of, of Salesforce, which, is, which basically says, Salesforce plans to de- de- de-platform broader range, that's a quote, broader range of customers who have, quote, the potential to incite politically motivated violence. So basically, every single one of these tech companies are using the January 6th events to justify further censorship. And now, Project Veritas had an account with Salesforce, and Salesforce has sent us an email saying they made a business decision no longer to work with Project Veritas. Didn't explain why, didn't say why, Project Veritas has never incited violence, we've shown every single voter fraud uh, expose we've done is proven, there's people who went to jail for that. And I want to understand from Salesforce, if proving voter fraud is inciting violence, is there, I want to know if Salesforce doesn't believe that photo fraud exists and what their position is on that. It doesn't make any sense.
2: So, I, you know, it's amazing to me because I try to think about the get in the mind of these CEOs, COOs, and like, what are you thinking? What is the benefit of alienating, I'll just throw a number out, 50% of the population. How is that good? You know, I, and I, I don't, is it all for the sake of what? Political correctness?
3: So I think there's a, a, a full range of reasons why th- they could do that. One, because they might be themselves more uh, invested in their I- ideological core beliefs and being in that Silicon Valley location right, right, than right. they are in money. And they already so they're monopolies in a way, yeah. which means they don't even fear competition, right? right. No, they right. know their people are dependent right. on them right. to a right. big extent. But I think not only it comes from the, the executive level, which I certainly believe is the most important part, but I feel the employees themselves. For example, we've seen. Uh, employees from Google and Twitter write letters to Dorsey and the executive branches of their company saying, "If you do not deplatform Trump, you know we will boycott." Boic- know? So they literally—not pre- only is the, C- the CEOs involved in this, but we have the employees pressuring the CEOs to be more pro-censorship. So it's it's a cyclical thing happening. So
2: I'm an am a analyst. I'm an economist, and I'm I'm looking at numbers all the time. And one of the things that I've said for years, uh, for the last well, I'm going to say since 2007, primarily that the CEOs and uh, CFOs and chairmen of boards have these ideological blinders on that doesn't allow them to see reality and they don't care about it because their ideology has become the number one point in everything they do. It's all they care about. And it is messing everything up because you know they their, their goal as a CEO as a CEO of a corporation, your goal to the board should be
3: maximizing profits.
2: Ma- that's right. What are you doing for the stockholder today? What right. are you doing? Right. What are you doing? That's all they should be caring about. But they can't because their ideology has got them so blinded.
3: And to you know, that. what's more interesting, uh, not that you bring that point is that James O'Keefe was on Tim Pool's uh, show recently. And Tim Pool talked about how he was on Joe Rogan with Jack Dorsey, Twitter CEO, a while ago, and and uh, Tim Pool had to explain to Jack Dorsey how Twitter's policies actually discriminate against conservatives. Jack Dorsey didn't actually believe that. He said, "No, no, no, our you know our policy on you know banning a speech against you know transgenders is not you know um, attacking conservatives. It's normal." And then Tim Pool had to explain. You realize that most a lot of people. Conservatives don't believe that a man a man can be a woman or a woman can be a man. So by definition, your policy is already isolating those people immediately. Right. It took Tim Pool to have to say that to Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey, for the first time ever, to sit back like and go, wow, "Wow, right? So maybe maybe that's true. Maybe <laughs> you, I am." You so know, th- they don't even know. They don't even. They,
2: it's it's hard to believe. Some
3: of them don't even know. I.
2: You know the the very first. Um, <laughs> you, you'll remember the bathroom bill, mm-hmm. Target getting behind the bathroom bill and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, I was on Fox Business, mm-hmm. and Neil Cavuto says to me, so what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And I said, what do I think about it? I think Brian Cornell, he's a CFO, mm-hmm. a CEO. I said, Brian Cornell should have been fired the day that happened mm-hmm. because it's a retail company. Mm-hmm. He's got one job. Get feet walking through the store. That's all. Right. That's all you got to do. You don't have to do anything. Just get feet walking through the store. You've got one job to do. Add value to the bottom line. right? And you've just alienated, if you just look at the partition that was signed, two million people, that's you know four million when you add in the families, their family, you know, technically, you just alienated four million people. How do you not get fired out of that? It was the dumbest business decision any retailer could make.
3: Right, and if you look, I mean, a good example also is, is Jeff Zucker. I mean, we've exposed Jeff Zucker so many times from CNN and the AT&T board who runs that never took any action he, he's still there you know he clearly in this, you know diverts from the mission at CNN doesn't produce real news anymore we've exposed him many times and the at board keeps him there so I feel like the people in charge just want that to happen
2: Mario can you hang on uh, through this break for us for, for sure a minute? okay alright we're going to be right back uh, talking to Project, uh, with uh, Mario tell me you just covered up uh, Balaban uh, Project Veritas we'll be right back after this stay with us Welcome back Financial Issues. I'm Dan Cillian. It's great to be here. 610-363-1110. 610-363-1110. We should be able to go to phones. Maybe we'll get to it in another segment. But I had to hold uh, uh, Mario over uh, when he started talking about CNN and uh, the, the incredible ratings they don't have. And to me, I'm a money guy, right? So I'm thinking, well, you know what? It's all about the money, right? Everything's about the money. But they still manage to get, you know, Tide laundry detergent, I'm just making up stuff, you know, to put ads on a network. I mean, I think of MSNBC, same thing. I mean, if, if everybody on MSNBC, if they had no family or friends, nobody would be watching. it. And yet, they, they, they still go on. Right. So, you know, uh, CNN is the perfect example.
3: Right. And uh, so I'm sure a lot of your listeners saw the Project Veritas uh, expose from CNN in December where James crashed into their uh, conference call <laughs> at 9 a.m. I was in that room, by the way. It was oh, were you? That's great. neat. Great. And, uh, but you know, the things we exposed were unbelievable. For example, the most shocking thing that, you know, stayed on the, in the media for three weeks, basically, after we launched those videos is that Zucker and other executives at CNN are saying, do not cover the Hunter Biden story. Do not cover it. During the election. During the election cycle, they'll say, oh, do, 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 you know, discredit, that, discredit that, disqualify that, move on from that.
2: That was being said in this conference call?
3: They, they yeah. said that. They, they said that. In, in, in several mean. ways, um, yeah. executives. And, you know, obviously that was a massive story. Uh, it's a proven story. Yeah. And uh, if they cared, like you said, about ratings, they would put that story in the air. Yeah, because right. Because people would actually want to know that information. I'm sure I, there's polls that came out after the election that said a lot of people voted for Biden. If they knew about the Hunter Biden story, would not have voted right. for Biden. I saw that. So, obviously... CNN put that in the air. That could have changed the election. Obviously, they knew that. That's why they didn't put it in the air. Right. And, um, you know, on the ratings side, they sh- if they put it in the air, they could have gotten it. But like we talked about uh, during the break, they don't care about ratings as much as they care about propaganda. So that's basically, you know, probably why they didn't put it on.
2: So we're on this propaganda campaign of minimizing Christians, minimizing conservatives, um, turning us into something that nobody cares about because propaganda will rule the day Mm -hmm. Um, i was i was talking to somebody earlier saying i wrote my master's thesis on the economics of mussolini you know Mm -hmm. so you can't do that without studying a little bit about hitler and his propaganda machine and how mussolini played a part in that and how his economy was so mussolini's economy was so powerful and the envy of guys like hitler And, you know, I feel like sometimes today as we see this constant propaganda machines, because there's many of them Mm -hmm. uh, out there, you guys have enough ammunition, you know, enough stuff to continue to grow and grow and build. There's so much out there because these machines continue to grow larger Um, I don't know about more powerful, but I'm a bit naive about the patriotism of American, the American people. I fought for this country. I love this country. I think this is, uh, you know, I I can't believe that even what we're seeing has happened. And I've been a denier of uh, anybody turning against America. And I've been proven wrong and it's sad to me, but we see this propaganda machine and are you, is Project Veritas, or is it, are you going to still be able to get, I worry that groups like you aren't going to be able to weasel the way in, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. undercover mm-hmm. to be able to expose some of these things. And of course it would help if we had a media that was exposing the exposing.
3: So I will put your, um, you know, your to ease here and say, guaranteed we'll still be getting in there. It's not, like, like I told you, uh, we, we have undercover journalists who have been doing this for years and they're very experienced and talented and they've you know, acquired a lot of amazing content within media, within big tech, any big tech and media company you can imagine, and government too. We're very focused on government uh, corruption as well. But one thing that's changed Project Veritas and something we're focused on this year is getting whistleblowers. So there's always going to be people inside, inside these, and the more corrupt they get, the more corrupt they get, the more whistleblowers there will be. And the more whistleblowers that come to us, Mm -hmm. the more people from other companies see that and say, I want to be a whistleblower. This is my, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. So we are creating an army, not only of undercover journalists, guerrilla journalists, but also uh, whistleblowers who are coming from all facets of our country. To to expose so, what's going on inside their organization. Are you
2: are you afraid, or ever think about n- not the whistleblowers and your projects not being revealed to enough enough people that can make a difference?
3: So that's a great point. We've uh, we've considered that the fact that we're getting banned from Twitter, we're getting banned from uh, big tech companies want to deplatform us. Uh, obviously, most mainstream networks will not have us our content on their, their. but what we've learned is that we have to create proxies. for example, telegram. We can post our videos, tell people to download the video, and then embed that video onto their own social media so. Right. If they can ban one, one account, Project Veritas, sure. Can you ban hundreds of thousands of people from sharing that across their platforms? So we're going to find ways, you know, for example, in, in the Soviet Union, they had Samizdat, right, which was the clandestine form of giving information that the Soviet government didn't like. Right. So if, if, if it comes down to that, we'll do that. We're not going to be afraid of censorship, of government you know, coming at us. We're going to do it. Um, you know, Obviously, we'd prefer to have as much coverage as possible, but sure. we'll work around what we have to do to get the information to the public. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I'll tell you this much. I mean, we we have a, uh, we've been around 25 years. We have a news, FISM News program. We haven't officially launched it, Um, but you can check it out at FISM.TV. We have original programming that we're doing. And we've been banned from YouTube, and we've been off Facebook twice. We're back on, I think, now. But um, we're not afraid. So... We have a platform, literally millions of people every single day um, listening. We're at 680 stations, 80 TV outlets, and it's been about six years since I had a station say to me, "You know, you, you push the, you can't do that anymore." I mean, I'm not. We're not seeing that mm-hmm. like we were, and because the show has gained so much popularity. People they don't want to deal with all the phone calls, so it's really been a benefit to us. Mm-hmm. So we're open to you. You just you just name it. We have one of our news guys and some cameramen walking around. I'll introduce you to them and I'll, I'll try to catch you. But you know we need to. One of the problems that we have is not we, and I don't mean you and I. I mean in general. One of the problems is the lack of unity. You know and. Uh, anybody that knows our ministry knows that I'm pushing a whole lot of other ministries that have nothing to do with me that are doing a great job. I believe we need to do that, and if we can, if you, Project Veritas, can 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 unite. With others, and those others can unite with others, Mm -hmm. will be a force to be reckoned with. They won't be able to do anything about it. And that's what needs to happen. It's the only way we're going to save America. Mm -hmm. It's the only way we're going to save America. So you, we can't. We've got. I know this is hard, but we all have to set our egos apart. I don't. I I mean, I love the work that I that I've been uh, been raised up to do. I love it. I love doing it, but it's not for me. You know, I'm I'm an old guy. Yeah. You know, I don't need I don't need this. The young guys like it, but I I don't I don't need it. But it's been raised up, so that we can use the platform, millions, millions of people. I mean, my, I'm we're on, the largest conservative talk. Thank you, Laura Ingram, because of her, she's my time slot, yeah. and so when she dropped off a lot of the radio stations, we picked them up. You know, so. Um, and we've got two of them, two big flamethrowers now that we're the number one program. And Rush used to follow me. That's great. Uh, and so we have a big. And you, you guys have to find others like, like me, yeah, that are willing to do that. Yeah. And I, will hope you do that too. Absolutely. But it's that unity mm-hmm. that's going to change. That it's going to, that it's going to change America.
3: I hope. I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, one thing that. Um, that happened right after January sixth. We've noticed that Project Veritas, James noticed a lot of people felt disillusioned, right? You know, lost the presidential election, lost you know the Senate elections. A lot of people, uh, conservatives, uh, felt disillusioned. And James said the only thing that people in power fear is the truth. They yeah. they hate being exposed. They don't like that. They don't like being exposed. So don't ever give up. Like you said, you have to you have to unite with people who are trying to fight for this country. I agree hundred percent. But never give up either, you know? No. You can't give up and just Well you just, can't get disillusioned. Right. You can't. Exactly. That's, that's exactly, what they want. That's exactly right. And
2: and we're not gonna give them that win. We no. can't
3: give them a victory. We can never do that.
2: No. And and that's that's the thing. And we've gotta convince a whole lot of other uh, uh, organizations that they gotta hang in there right. with us, mm-hmm. not get disillusioned. I tell you the day after the election I was on the radio saying, folks look, it's not a time for being discouraged. Right. It's a time to not physically but to pick up arms so to speak mm-hmm. and we've got to stay in the fight and we just got to fight a little harder and with a little bit more zeal. And we got—we can't stop. We can't give up. Right. And, you know, that's what we have to do if we're going to save this country. I agree with that. Man, I appreciate you guys so much. I love the work that you're doing. I'm so grateful that you were able to come by, Mario. I appreciate it. Thank and you I, so much. And I know you've got so many things uh, going on. I will try to touch base from time to time. I would Absolutely. love to do that.
3: Absolutely. And it was a pleasure being here. And uh, we'll certainly uh, be in touch in the future. Yeah, Absolutely. please do that. Thank
2: you. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Uh, folks, we're uh, coming up on a break, and um, we, we want. I just want to tell everybody, um, you know, Project Veritas. You can find them on the internet.
3: Yeah, right. You, you, you're. Which you you can go on our website, projectveritas.com. dot um, you, you can see everything there. You can follow us on every single social media platform from. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, but also Telegram. We're on Gab, we're on Parlor, so across those. And if you're a whistleblower, if you are an insider, a corrupt organization, big tech, government, mainstream media, reach out to us at veritas tips at protonmail.com. Veritas tips at protonmail.com. You can become an insider and a whistleblower and expose the truth.
2: Veritas, do it again.
3: Veritas Tips altogether at protonmail.com.
2: And folks, the other thing about social media everything they put out that is exposing the truth please don't just like it it's not helping I mean, it's good I mean I'm glad you're doing it. but you got to re- retweet it you got to get it out there so that it can't be shut down so take that up as your patriotic duty in exposing the truth. It's not enough to like it. You got to retweet it. You got to get it out there and every, all of your platforms. And then you've got to encourage all of your followers to do the same. Critically important. Very important. Critically important. All right. uh, We sure appreciate it again, Mario. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll be back. More financial issues right after this. Six ten three six three eleven ten. Wow, I'm sorry. We have just been uh, going full steam ahead here, <clears throat> and um, we've got a um, couple other. We've got a couple other. Um, uh, you know what, Seth? I'll have to get K because the camera's like far away from me, so I'd have to go way o- way over. Um, anyway. Um, so we got another we got another uh, great guest coming up from uh, the Enoch Times. Do you know about it? I don't know. I get all the emails, so they're going to be here with us and uh, Joshua Phillips. So we're going to do that at LM15. We got a couple other people too that are coming up to us. I'll tell you the uh, really cool part is that um, people are coming by and coming up to us and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, I know you. I love your program. Thank you." I, you know, and it's really it's really good to see that. Uh, it's encouraging, you know, because, you know, I would imagine that the majority of people here are from Florida. So, you know, it, it shows uh, how strong our presence is here through the Shepherd and um, you know other other stations. We're so many. We cover almost all of Florida. I know TV. We're down south, but I think from about. I don't know, Fort Lauderdale all the way up to Jacksonville were covered. So it's great great to see that, and it's such a blessing to us. And, you know, um, what I was just talking about with Mario about unity, you know, it is the only thing that's going to save our country. And I don't know uh, what I can do about it other than, um, share our platform and be willing to unite, uh, because unfortunately, you know, there's other forces at play that, that don't want that unity. That's for sure. And so we've got to keep continue to, uh, if we're going to expose the truth, then we have to be willing to, um, you know, we're going to be willing to open up our network and what we're doing here. So, you know, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we are, we are doing that in, in all that everybody, not just us, not just financial issues, but all of us, you know, we, everybody on Christian radio, conservative talk radio, you know, we're going to be willing uh, above all else to expose the truth. Of course, we want to expose all the truth, right? We want to expose the truth of the gospel, the truth of, um, you know, the word and all those things. But we've got to be uh, willing to do it as being one thing. But, you know, when, when push comes to shove and we get asked to do it, um, we've got to make sure that we're going to step up and do it. For us to continue to do it, we can only do it because of you. Got little to do with us, but because of you, uh, we are able to get it done. And I just pray that God will keep us strong as we uh, continue to move forward. So a lot, of, a lot of things in the news this morning. Of course, we get some economic news coming out, uh, but we're looking at one of, the, one of my concerns or one of the things I keep looking at and talking about is an inflation concern. And one of those inflation keys is going to be oil. And we are seeing a little bit of a break right now with oil in that it is off its highs. Uh, it was at $63 a barrel. It is down below that right now. That's a good thing. Uh, it is negative. It's in negative territory. It is moving down. And um, that, that is good. So hopefully that will... You know, we'll continue to see that start to deflate a little bit, bit as oil uh, is just hovering right now at a 13-month high. No, forget that. At a yeah, 13-month high, uh, the S&P um, falls after it hit a 10-year high yesterday. So we're going to continue to see how things uh, shake out and how things happen there with, with um, all of the indices. As I indicated earlier, 32 record highs. And we have people all the time, I have people call me and email me and talking to me on a regular basis about, you know, what, you know, should we get into the market? Is this the time to get in? Should we do it? 32 highs this year. Let me just remind you, the year is seven weeks old. Thirty-two highs. So, you know, I I ask you if you really want to trade into that. Is that something that you really and truly want to do? Trade into that. Uh, that's that's the question for sure. So, I don't know. I don't think we do. I don't think we should. But we we got to give it some time, and I tell you right now what we're looking at through this administration, what is happening in in uh, you know big big tech, is just amazing. And I tell you what I am fearful of, and I I haven't wanted to talk about this because. Uh, I don't have any solutions. I don't have a solution for it. But, you know, we are very, very close to being on the point. I hope my friends at Timothy and my friends at GA Ripple, which nobody you guys would know, but uh, are listening to me here in Florida which I would doubt that neither, either one of them are, so I'm kind of free to say whatever I want. <laughs> but <clears throat> I would just say to you that there's going to be a day, folks, where there's not going to be a brokerage you're going to want to deal with. I don't know what we're going to do. You know, um, we, you know there, there, there isn't going to be anybody that is gonna be able, that we are gonna feel comfortable enough using to trade our stocks for somebody else's stocks, you know, trade, you know, the markets. There's not gonna be any anybody that we're gonna use. Look at the consolidation that is going on right now. So we've got we've got everything that is happening, so we had Scottrade was bought out by TD Ameritrade. I don't know if you remember that. TD Ameritrade bought out by Charles Schwab. E-Trade bought out by J.P. Morgan. So we've got the big banks. We've got interactive brokers, which isn't the most user-friendly uh, Brokerage, but we have interactive brokers. We've got Fidelity Brokerage. We've got Vanguard Brokerage. We've got Schwab still. Uh, but again, there are still socially... Uh, I'm sorry, biblically responsible individual stocks that they have no choice but to trade. But to be able to trade... Biblically responsible mutual funds, ETFs, those kinds of things. It's almost going to be impossible. We're getting to that point, and and we're also going to be at a point where we're going to be holding our nose, trading through a particular company. Now, we're not going to be, we're not being biblically irresponsible in doing it, but because it's about the ownership that we have. So the ownership that we are taking, that's what it's all about, right? So we're not going to be biblically irresponsible, and that's fine. But, but, are we enhancing? Do we want to do these other companies a favor? By doing it. And we, I I, I believe that in five years, we're going to be at a crisis point. I don't know what it's going to look like, and I don't know how it's going to work unless there is somebody out there that wants to step up to the plate. Maybe it's you. Maybe there's somebody listening. Maybe there's a a large um, uh, venture capital uh, firm or something that is uh, a, a Christian at heart, that is somebody that's a conservative Christian that may, may want to come along with us, you know, and say, you know what, I'm done. I'm tired with the garbage. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to do what is the right thing to do. Tired of everything else. And maybe want to step up to the plate. If you know somebody like that, uh, steer him my way. Now, I mean, obviously... It would take an enormous amount of resources to do something like that. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the future of of all of this. I mean, I'm not worried about it because we're going to keep plugging along and take things as they come. But nonetheless, we're going to have to watch and be extremely cautious and careful um, about, you know, um, how all of this is going to work. All right, 610-363-1110. 610-363-1110. Cue your call. We're coming up on a break. We're going to try um, to to uh, get to some calls here. All right, 610-363-1110. We'll be back right after this.
0: The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors.
2: Hey, welcome back. 610-363-1110. 610-363-1110. 3, 3, 10. 10, 3, 3, Great to be here. Thank you for being with us. I know, man, you guys have all been so patient, but, you know, it's, it's the way it is uh, when we broadcast at a an event like this, so I apologize. But we're gonna go we're gonna try going to phones. Todd is gonna be our first uh uh experiment here. Hopefully it'll work out. We'll see in a second. Let me go to Todd. And
0: Hi Dan, can you hear me? Todd, can you hear me? I I can't hear you. Todd? I'll just ask my question in case you can hear me. Um my question okay. is about um, selling stuff. Selling some stock. Um, how does that work for tax purposes for the the one year as far as capital gains? Are? Is it because I bought some at different times? So, do they treat it the same? Um, like the the first ones now, I bought, first, I can sell it, them after a year, or do they consider the last ones I bought as the year?
2: Uh, you you can make sure that you give them that uh, that they should ask you what you want to do. Um, so it's usually going to be first in first out. Oh he can't hear me I forgot. okay so he's probably listening on uh, on the radio but um, so yeah Todd, it'll probably be. First in, first out, and that's that's how it'll work as far as capital gains. So obviously, you don't want to pay 20% long-term capital gains. You want to do the 15%. So you got to stay in for 13 months. So um, that's that should be how it works. So I don't think we're going to be able to take phone calls. It doesn't sound like it. We we had that um, that they, they could not they could not hear me. Um, so until I hear from Seth. Um, if he thinks we can take him, we'll do it. If not, we'll just keep plugging along here. Um, and, I, and I apologize for that. It's just gonna be, it's just gonna be one of those things. So um, there's always something. Oh, I was gonna take some, oh, okay. Seth thinks we're okay. Um, but we don't have anybody in the queue, okay. So we'll try that, we'll see how it goes. But um, once we get uh, somebody in the queue here. So you can try calling 610. 363-1110, I was going to go to social media here, but I didn't. I don't see any. Hmm. All the, all the uh, stuff about big tech, we probably got taken off the air. <laughs> uh, we're probably off everywhere on social media. Uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll check it out, see how it goes. 610-363-1110, 610-363-1110, if you want to queue your call. Give it a go. All right, um, let me just, well, I'm trying to here. I don't have much luck, but let me, let me I'll go to phones. All right, let me go to uh, Jeremy from Arkansas. Hey, Jeremy.
0: Good morning, Dan. Uh, Jeremy, I appreciate you hey. taking my call this morning. Um, hopefully we're able to get through, I can hear you fine over the phone. Uh, my question is this: uh, My wife uh, changed employment uh, a few years ago. We had she had a uh, retirement plan through her former employer uh, with a it was a Vanguard account, and we rolled that over just recently into Fidelity. And um, I'm not familiar, really familiar with with their, uh, with Fidelity or or any of the investment. Type uh, programs. I am uh, contributing on my impl- with my employment through a, a thrift savings plan. And I was wondering if there's anything similar to that that we could invest in uh, with fidelity. And I, I was thinking uh, ETFs or mutual funds. I don't know anything about those two or, or if that is similar to uh, the TSP.
2: So uh, no, it's not going to be similar to to uh, the TSP, but it's probably something you want to do. I mean, uh, how how much longer uh, is your wife still working? Or she is. she's not contributing to this? At, oh, she is. She she is.
0: Uh, she she is how long? Working. How much
2: long? How much longer is she going to uh, we're
0: work? We're mid late thirties, so we still have time.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would look at the four ETFs. Uh, the Timothy ETFs. Okay. Um, now, they've really had a good run, so they're up a bit, uh, a fair amount uh, over the last year. But I, I mean, I would look at those. Um, so TPLC, that would be uh, somewhat like the C fund. I mean, it's a group of growth stocks primarily, and um, it's it's uh more of an index kind of thing, and I would tell you that she should have a minimum of probably seventy percent of her money into that, particularly if she is going to if she's continuing to contribute. Okay. So that would be one. The other one would be TP um, I f. that's uh, a fairly aggressive fund right now probably has some room to run on the downside uh, yet, but I wouldn't be concerned about that. I would be looking at it right now as a bargain and be buying into it as often as you can. TPIF, that's an international fund. And the other one is a small, and and you should have about 15% in that. The other is a small cap stock uh, ETF, TPSC, TPSC, and the balance of what's left ought to be into that
0: okay all right thank you very much
2: all right Jeremy god bless. I hope have that I day. hope that works out for you have a great day you too god bless all right let me go to um, to I think Mellet oh now it's changing okay Melanie to in Mississippi hey Melanie
1: good morning the question. Good morning. Um, we have a sizable amount of money that we have not ever invested and are looking to start investing. Is it my understanding at this time you're advising to wait uh for a little while before we get into the market?
2: Have how are you retired, Melanie no, or are you still no, working? No,
1: I'm fifty three, my husband's fifty four.
2: Yeah. So, uh, if you've never been in and you're not in now, I would definitely wait. I would like to see you wait until, um, I'm going to say the, the middle of April, maybe towards the end of April. Okay. I think it would be wise to wait um, and for sure. So, I would sit tight where you okay. are. Okay.
1: And I've become a partner, so will there be some information on your Will you give us a sign as to when it's good to get into the market or
2: yeah. yeah, I'm going to be talking about that in a conference call next week, a special conference call. It's not scheduled yet. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to do that for partners and then uh, we're going to talk about when that what that time might look like and what I'm going to do to let you all okay. know. Okay.
1: And the last question is, I'd like to go ahead and get an account set up to be ready when we do want to get in. Which brokerage firm do you yeah. recommend?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're all about the same, um, you know. Uh, User friendly wise, I think that TD Ameritrade and Fidelity are the the best. Their service is good on both of them. So if you need some help, they can answer your question. Um, I mean, I I, I used to, I would normally say I like TD Ameritrade better. But TD Ameritrade was just bought out by Sh- Charles Schwab. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I suspect that they're going to get a little, um, their their Charles Schwab ideology is going to start flowing into to um, what they are willing to do.
1: Right. Okay.
2: So, fidelity might be better. Okay.
1: All right. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Glad you called. You. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. You too. All right 610 363 1110 um, all right it looks like we've we've got uh, we're able to get to calls so when we get back off this break we'll get to calls and um, we'll see how many we get in we got a couple interviews uh, bouncing around here uh, um, but we'll do that so i hope you'll um, hope you'll stay with us it's financial issues. We're coming to you uh, live from CPAC here in Florida, in Orlando, Florida, which I absolutely love. That CPAC came to the free state of Florida. There was a um, a long time that I didn't participate with CPAC ten years, and then. Uh, came back as soon as I heard it was going to be in Orlando. So uh, I'm glad to be here. President Trump speaking on Sunday. Uh, everybody looking forward to that. We're going to be covering all the speakers here on FISM News. So you might you might want to check that out. Um, FISM.TV. FISM.TV. Uh, and then click on the News tab. So FISM.TV. And then click. On the news tab. So, hope you will uh, do that and try to pick up the coverage here as we, uh, as we move on. All right. 610 363 1110. we got a line open so you can cue your call up as we head into uh, um, our third hour here. So, uh, you're welcome to cue your call. I sure appreciate, I, I don't know if it's driving you guys crazy, all the background noise, and there's a lot here, it's really rough on me, and I got headphones on, so, uh, and it's, it's creeping in through the headphones, so, <laughs> anyway, a lot of noise here, but a lot of, and it's not even crowded, wait until tomorrow, oh man, all right, I sure appreciate you being with us. You got to leave us. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless. More financial issues right after this. We will never give away our freedom. We will never abandon our belief in God.
0: Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.